0: IRE's on the road, value based parenting and life balance ideas from world traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And hi, we're back with IRE's on the road. It's great to be back with you in this fall season of the year. School's going everywhere and there are so many exciting things happening. The leaves are starting to change. It's so awesome.
1: And we're thinking hard about the third in this series of the top 10 marriage and relationship tips. And let me just read you this one. This was a, this is a very interesting one, Linda. It's about working harder at certain things within our marriages. And there are really three things we're going to suggest to you today, which all make up this third marriage and relationship tips, the idea of working harder at key things. First, work harder at changing yourself than at changing your spouse. Second, work harder on making your spouse happy than on making yourself happy. And third, work harder at marriaging than at parenting. Now, think about that just for a minute. These three suggestions about what to work hardest on. Good marriages inevitably improve people's parenting but it doesn't necessarily work the other way around so work hardest on your marriage relationship and second hardest on your parenting
0: now we realize that we're speaking to a lot of single parents just because of the averages um and so if sorry if if you don't feel included because we are specifically talking about marriage partnerships today but um but maybe you'll see some things that you could work on in your next relationship
1: <laughs> yeah exactly and and again you you may have gone into marriage thinking that you'd be able to change your spouse into the person you wanted into the person who would fulfill all your needs Stop thinking that way and work hardest on changing yourself and improving yourself.
0: Oh, I do have to say that when we first got married, I could see Richard's faults. There were some things that bothered me, and I just thought, well, no problem. I can fix that. Once we're committed to each other, he's going to do exactly what I want him to. (laughs) And that is the biggest joke of the century because, you know what, um, some things have changed. I think we've become more like each other in a lot of ways, and we have changed what we're doing. But basically, who we are is still who we are.
1: And the third point, you know, consider this question. Whose happiness do you think you have more control over, your spouse's happiness or your own and on first blush, people, you say, oh, I, I control my own happiness. I'm the one who, who decides how happy I'll be. And there's some truth in that. But in actual fact, as we've observed couples, you probably have more direct control and influence over your spouse's happiness than you do over your own. You can make such a difference in how happy your spouse is. So work hardest on his or her happiness and in the process you'll make yourself happier. So that may sound like a kind of a complicated three-part marriage and relationship tip. But the reason we put them all together is because those are the three things we feel like we ought to all work hardest on. Number one, on prioritizing our marriage, even above our parenting. Number two, working on changing yourself to be a better spouse rather than constantly wishing your spouse could change. And number three thinking more, being more conscious of your spouse's happiness than of your own. Man, if someone could do all three of those things, Linda, I'm telling you what, there'd be a lot of great marriage.
0: <laughs> there would. <laughs> it does sound a little pie in the sky because that's easy to write down and it is so hard to do. Um, on the day-to-day, on the decisions that need to be made, on the cobbling about how's, who, who's going to do which way and is it my way, your way, or the highway, and it really is interesting, because that's the hardest job in the world. Let's
1: talk a little about each of the three, and we'll maybe get through one of them before the break, and then get into the other two. I I think, you know, remember one time, Linda, not too long ago, we were in a parenting lecture that we were giving, and we asked the audience which they felt like they worked hardest on, their, their parenting or their marriaging, and it was pretty unanimous. This these were couples mostly in their thirties, maybe some of them in their forties and pretty much everyone said, I probably think more and work harder and sort of am more conscious of parenting than I am of marriaging. In fact, it, it occurred to us on that occasion that, you know, we have this word parenting. It's almost like a science. It's like an art. We're perfecting it. We're getting better at it. It's something we do. It's a, it's this activity that we're engaged in.
0: Oh, it's right in front of you. It's something you have to take care of. It's something that's so important. And we really don't
1: have a similar word for marriaging. I mean, we say marriage. It's a noun. But, but parenting is sort of a verb. It's an action word. What is the word for marriaging? And why is it that we sometimes seem to work harder on the parenting than on the marriaging? It reminds me of when you're on an airplane And the flight attendant says, if if the oxygen masks drop down, use it on yourself first and then on your child. And I think that's what we're saying. Work on your marriage first. And then that will facilitate both of you, if you're a married couple, becoming better parents. Because kids are so powerfully influenced by the relationship they see between their parents.
0: Yeah, and... and kids watch what you're doing. That that's one of the main things. I mean, you are modeling marriaging for your children, whether you like it or not, which is really scary. (laughs) But it is just so important to remember that they're watching you and that marriaging is maybe the most important thing you're doing in order to make them successful in a marriage relationship.
1: You know it's um again, I'm glad you said Linda that we're aware there are a lot of great single parents in the world. And in some ways, if you're a single parent, hey, less to worry about. You don't have to worry about the marriaging, just about the parenting. <laughs> Your life oh, well, is sort of, you have to be the mom and the dad, and you are. And some of the heroes of our lives are single parents. Well, but sometimes
0: they have more complicated things well, because they're single parents. And actually, we went to a meeting once of, of, uh, women, with a lot of women who had lost their spouses through death. And it really was eye-opening about what they have to deal with. It's really, really difficult.
1: Yep. But again, we're on this marriage tip today. And I like the way we started it off, Linda. Work hardest on. Work hardest on. I think all of us have to take a step back every once in a while and sort of reprioritize. I mean, that's what life's all about, isn't it? It's readjusting priorities and thinking about what really matters. And is is my expenditure of time and mental energy matching with what my real priorities are? And so many of us and so many of the people we speak to and work with, Linda, they're working so hard at their career, they're working so hard at their job and their profession, working so hard at some of the interests they have. Some of them are working so hard on their golf game or on their hobbies or on their politics or on whatever interests them. And and the question is, are we working hard enough on our marriages? Because the the problem we see so often is with couples is that they, they take their marriage for granted. They say, well, we're married, you know, and then let's go work on other things. And And it's as though we, we got married, now we're married. And that's who we are, we're a married couple. Rather than the idea of marriage as this progression, this thing that starts with, you know, a, a commitment. And by the way, you know, more and more couples, as, as all of us know, just by reading the newspapers and following things, more and more couples don't get married they move in together they cohabitate Um, many times more people move in cohabitating these days than move in being married but when a person is married then you know sometimes we think of okay we've graduated now we're married instead of thinking this is a progression we've got to continually work on this marriage on this relationship And improve it because it won't stay the same. It'll either go down or it'll go up. It'll either get better or it'll get worse.
0: You know, I'm thinking back to the time when, before we had children, when we were married. And that did not last very long because (laughs) we had our first baby on our first anniversary. So I was, we were really. Only alone for three months before I got pregnant, (laughs) let's face it. And then we did a really dumb thing. We got a cat. What were we thinking? I mean, really, (laughs) that's our only year without somebody to take care of, and we got a cat, and it was a paranoid cat named Blanche. Remember that?
1: Oh, that was a crazy cat. We
0: literally were on the fourth floor, weren't we? Uh, Of
1: student housing at
0: Harvard. Richard was going to Harvard Business School, and I was teaching school. And that cat jumped off of that balcony, and talk about a cat with nine lives! It was—he was just fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, there was a little aside. Yeah, we but I'm just, I'm just
0: reminiscing <laughs> about that first year. <laughs> that first year of our marriage, without <clears throat> any children, and it really was amazing. But we should have spent more time just really working on each other. We didn't think about it, it was just like life—you had school, I had a job, and. We were just going back and forth, um, trying to survive instead of really working on each other. We should have done a better job of that.
1: Well, and, and I think it's so easy to take things for granted and you, you say to yourself, well, you know, we're married, we'll have our ups and downs, and, and it'll just work itself out. And And, you know, when we make our list of priorities, when we write down what we want to work the hardest on where we want to spend our effort, how we want to think creatively about making something better, that marriage has to be right at the top of the list. And and if it isn't, then there's going to be a deterioration of that relationship, and, and that'll affect everything. That There's nothing that has a more universal, widespread effect on on people's lives than how good that marriage is and how hard they're working at making it better.
0: Uh, And it is really hard work because your spouse has so many idiosyncrasies and so many things to work out and so many things that are important to them that are not important to you. And, in fact, we're going to have um, a little group um, on Sunday night. We're meeting with some dear, dear friends. And many of them have been married for 50 years or coming on 50 years. That's right. And uh, it, it's going to be the discussion They're young on folks, marriage. But they've been married a long time. Right. <laughs> and, but the discussion is going to be on marriage. It's going to be so fascinating because I'll bet you they've worked through a whole lot of things.
1: We're going to take a little break and then come back and get a little deeper into the whole idea of how to improve these marriages, how to work on them harder. We got one more minute, Linda. How would you sum up the first of the three points, namely working harder at marriage and then at parenting? I mean, do you really think that uh, if two people work really hard to become good parents, will that improve their marriage? Maybe, Yeah. maybe if they work as partners, anytime you work on something together, you draw closer to each other and your kids are your goal and they're your greatest shared love, they work on it together. But our experience is that there are a lot of couples out there who are really conscientious, hardworking, really devoted parents who are not as devoted to the relationship of marriage oh, as absolutely. they are to the parent. Absolutely.
0: So we'll come back and we'll just give you all the solutions in the second. Half. Oh, boy. So, uh, By the time
1: know, we're done, you'll know everything you need to know for the rest of your life.
0: So stay tuned. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayers. And we're back talking about marriaging today. Um, we would like to coin that word because we just think it's so important. It's one of those things where marriage is um, kind of sidelined because of all the parenting, and we need to think about marrying more.
1: We really do, Linda. Now, again, let's let's revisit that second point. Um, do you think that most people, as they start a marriage relationship, assume that the longer they're married, the more alike they'll become. And the longer they're married, the more they can change their spouse into the person that they really want him to be. Is that a kind of a common thing?
0: I guess <laughs> yeah, that's a common
1: thing. <laughs> and it's so, um, it's it's one of those things where you you think and you hope and you, notice things that irritate you about your spouse and you just think, how can I get him to change that? How can I get her to be a little different? And I don't know. I'm just going to say it, Linda. I, I can't, I had a breakthrough in our marriage a few years back and it dawned on me one day, very strongly, that there is not one single thing I would want to change about you. Not oh, a single yes, thing.
0: There is.
1: You are. Oh if,
0: yes, there if
1: is. I had a magic wand and I could use it to change something in your personality or in your approach to life <laughs> or in how you act or how what you say, I would throw the wand. Into the fire and burn it. I would not change one single thing about you,
0: honey. That's not true. I mean, just during the break, <laughs> we had two arguments. I mean, really, this is this is crazy. You keep saying that, but at the same time, you kind of wish I would respond differently you. Yes, you do. Let
1: me let me let me defend my position. What I've realized is that you are a complex interrelated, multifaceted person. And if I were to alter something in you, if I could change some little thing that bothers me or that I wish was different or whatever, it might start a little chain reaction. It might change other things. It might change the very things I love most about you. It would be like tampering with a complex, marvelous machine and and doing one thing to it and having it Short-circuit the whole rest of the machine, I just wouldn't do it. I wouldn't change a single thing because I would be worried that it would somehow change the real person who you are, which is the person <laughs> I love
0: yeah, okay, I'm gonna remind you of that the next time we're in an argument <laughs> which will be shortly um, because you know I think you you don't you don't want to change the big things I mean and sometimes the things that bother you the most about your spouse or that you uh, really irritate you have to do with the things that you love about them. So you have to k- take that into account. But I think there are little things No, no, that no, need but but I'm
1: going to I'm going to say this. I think like like if I'm worried about something you're doing and it's irritating me, there's there's three approaches I can take. One is to ignore it, which might just make it fester and bother me more. Two is to say, "Linda, you ought to change this. I really wish you'd change this and I'll help you change this or whatever." And and again, that could be dangerous because, A, it could offend you, and, B, it could create a chain reaction where other things that I love would also be changed if you tried to change that one thing. And the third approach would be to say, what could I change in myself that would not bring that out in Linda? What could that I change I like. in yeah. myself that would make her not feel irritated or that would make her respond in a different way. And and it's the third approach we ought to be working on, folks.
0: Absolutely. In fact, I have a couple of ideas after the radio show, though. On things that you want me (laughs) to
1: change. (laughs) See, now you're back to that. It's so hard. I think we're illustrating the point. It is so
0: hard. Oh, wow. You know, and I certainly wouldn't want to be married to anybody else or anything else, but, you know, there's some little things that, that you could tweak. That would make me happy. Yeah, but
1: if I did, Linda, it might change the very things you love about me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, we're really coming up with a great solution here. But it is true. I do think that it's true that there's you do need to step back and say, wait, this is what I love about this person. And this is what we have to work on. And this is what I have to work on. I mean, talking about... um you changing instead of wanting to change your spouse I've learned that over and over and over again because people basically don't change I think that you have to well they don't you don't change other people but you can change yourself well you can change yourself but you have to decide that you're not going to try to change them but you're going to try and change your reaction to what they're saying or doing and if you can change that it makes a huge difference
1: And then this third one about, you know, who do you, I mean, we could get in a long debate about this. In fact, we we have had some interesting discussions with a lot of different people on the question of whose happiness do you really control? Whose happiness do you have more influence over your own or your spouses? Now, again, we're assuming that, that you're in a relationship that you want to last. You're in a, a marriage that you want to, to continue and you want to gradually improve over time. And so in that kind of a relationship, um, I guess the real issue is who do you, whose happiness do you worry the most about? In other words, do you do you fret about how unhappy or how you wish you could be happier of course we do we all want to be happier we all i'm just finishing a book called the happiness paradox right now where i'm trying to explore what things go into happiness and and what attitudes constitute happiness and so on and this is a big field right now you you google happiness books on your on your computer and you'll find so many new books on, it. it's just like this exploding field of exploration, where does happiness come from and so on. But in a marriage, um, if your main thought is how happy am I and why doesn't my spouse do some things that would make me happier? In other words, if you were to sit down and, and, and try to make a list, things that I, things my spouse could do to make me happier. Some of us would find that pretty easy to do. Yeah, well, I sure. want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do that. And all these things would make me happier. But would it be harder or easier for you to sit down and write up a list things I can do that will make my wife happier things I can do that will make my husband happier. Would, would that be a, would that be easier or harder to make that list? And I, I think the problem is for for many people that would be harder. We'd say, well, I, I just don't know for sure what would make her happier. I sure know what would make me happier. That's yeah. a problem. We ought to be empathetic enough. We ought to know and love our spouse enough that we can make a list of the things we can do to make her happier.
0: Well, and a really good solution to that is ask just ask yeah, them what know, you can do ask. no just ask them what <clears throat> All right. what can i do to make you happier how can i change and it that is really useful because then that's coming from your um from you and not from them and if you can make a little list like that then then it becomes like i need to change this about her and so on and so on or even change yourself but if you're asking What can I do to make you happier? Well, and
1: you got to ask with real intent, right? It can't be like, honey, what can I do to make you happier? (sighs) And then you're holding your breath so that you can next say, and by the way, here are the things you could do that would make make me happier. It's got to be unilateral, right? It's got to be the the, the marriages that say, I'll meet you halfway. I'll do this for you if you'll do this for me. I'll go 50% if you go 50%. Those are dangerous, precarious marriages. It's gotta be, I'll go 90%, I'll go 99%, I'll go 100%, I'll do whatever I have to do because I love you.
0: You know, we had a really interesting um, thing that happened to us several years ago. We have every Sunday what we call our executive session. This comes from a business school background from Richard. Like, we're having an executive session. We have a session every Sunday. And one Sunday we decided, we were each going to write down what the other is a long
1: time ago by the way
0: yeah what the other person needed you know what we thought the other person person needed. Three things they thought the other person needed. Well the thing that just really stuck in my mind from that day was that you said what what Linda needs is a poem every day. I could just write her a poem every day. She really needs that. And I just had broke up laughing because like, well that would be really nice. But what I need you to do is help with the dishes. <laughs> put the kids in bed do, you know, do what needs to be done. And so I think you know, your mindset was so wonderful that you were giving me a poem every day. But what I really needed was help because we had all well, those you, little kids. Yeah,
1: that gets back to the most basic thing of all. Do you, do you recognize your <clears throat> your spouse's love language? You probably know your own love language. But do you know your spouse's love language as well as you know your own? And by by the way, that was really early in the marriage, Linda. And one of the things that I that I did right and it helped me a lot uh, a few years later is I sat down and tried to really summon empathy and tried to write down two lists. One was Linda is, and I tried to write down the things that I had recognized in you, the things I loved about you, the things that uh, were your characteristics and who who you really are at your core. And then the second list was Linda needs. And, and I was not at that point thinking about what I needed. I was thinking about, based on what I know about you, what are the things you need? What are the things that make you happy? What are the things that I know, if I do, they improve your sense of well being? And when that becomes a focus, when you're really trying to, to exercise the full extent of your empathy and what you know about your spouse and what makes them happy. When you become transparent and your mind shifts from what you need entirely to what your spouse needs, it's kind of a freedom giving thing. It kind of gets you outside of yourself. It kind of gives you uh, a constructive goal to work on your spouse's happiness. And it's like it's like anything in life. We know that when we serve others, even in a general sense, it makes us happier. Well, the biggest person to serve is your own spouse.
0: Absolutely. And I love that idea. And in fact, I think we have struck on something that we need to work on because we do need the uh, Richard is and Richard needs uh, thing going. I, I think we'd like to challenge all of you who are listening to try this. Tomorrow, if you can, if you're with your spouse, um, and just have a private session and write a list of Richard is or John is and Susan and John needs. And then Susan is, Susan needs. It really is so helpful to just think, what does this person really need? It's, it's be going beyond the love language. It's what do they really need and what who are they? What is not going to change? Who are they and what do you love about them? I think it really changes, or not changes, but really helps a relationship.
1: So bottom line, prioritize your spouse's happiness higher than your own happiness. And that's that's surprisingly easy to do once you create a mental construct where that's what your goal is. And then what that does is it filters back into the idea of I don't want to change her. I want to change me to meet her needs. And I want to work on this marriaging because it's the key of our lives. Number one, it'll last a lot longer than the parenting because the kids will grow up and go. But hopefully you'll always have each other. Hope you've enjoyed this exploration of marriage tip number three. And we will see you next time
0: on Ayers on the Road. Bye-bye.